Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. How's everybody doing? As I'm sure you can all see, normally you'd have a six foot four single pastor here, but you don't have that. You just have two kind of average, a little bit below average height guys. Uh, I'm Judah. I'm Ben. And before we start off, uh, we're actually going to start with some prayer. Wade said it earlier, prayer changes everything, and we're firm believers of that. So we're actually going to start the service with some prayer before we dive in. So, dear God, I want to thank you just for this opportunity for both Ben and myself that we get to come up on stage, preach your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through us, that you will guide everything it is that we say, um, that it's your word coming through us, not ours. Uh, I want to thank you just for, for everyone involved, um, Max and, and Erica and, and Lauren and Curtis up on tech and sound and, and just the whole worship team, God, I want to thank you. Um, I just pray that as we dive into this message that we can just know your spirit better at the end of the day and that um, everything we do can, can glorify you. Lord, I thank you that we can be here today in person and, and online and you know, I feel like we've took uh, we took person for granted before. You know, all of this stuff started a few years ago. So I just thank you for that, and I just pray that your spirit would be here in this room today, speaking through us, speaking into every person's life here. God, may they hear from this message what they need to hear today, and uh, I just pray that you would, you know, we would be preaching from your heart, not from our own today, Lord. We pray this all in your name, Amen. Amen. Okay, so. A couple weeks ago, I knew, I knew this was going to be happening. I knew Ben and I were going to be speaking, and, and I was praying about it to God. I was in the car, and I was driving down to the city. I work in the city as a tattoo artist, and so normally there's a lot of traffic, a lot of time to, to sit and pray. And so I was sitting there in traffic praying to God, God, what is it that you want me to speak about? What is it that you, what's on your heart, God? What is it that you have to give, you know, Crosslands Church and, and just the church in general, God, and and uh, I was thinking about it, and I was on my way to meet uh, a client who I'd never tattooed before. Um, and so I didn't really hear a direct answer from God. But when I got to the city, you know, I, I'm meeting my client. It's this 19-year-old girl, and we start talking. I've never met her before. And I normally do, like, usual introductions. Hey, I'm Judah. Nice to meet you. And we start talking. And I don't even remember how it came up, but she starts telling me, she, you know, she used to go to church. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I go to church. She tells me, you know, she was raised in the church her whole life. She, you know, went to church her whole life. I'm like, me too. She was like, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. And I'm like, wouldn't you know? Me too. And we start talking, and I'm like, that's cool. That makes my job easier because I'm a little socially awkward. So when I'm tattooing, at least I have common ground to talk about. And we start talking, and, you know, I start to get the sense her church experience was a little bit uh, different than mine. Uh, She had neon dyed hair. She had tattoos, a lot of piercings. And... You know, we're talking, and she starts saying things, and I'm like, okay, okay. Seems like she had a bit of a rougher go growing up in the church. And here at Crosslands, you know, we, we don't really have much of a dress code. You know, we're, we're up here preaching in jeans, and there's, there's a lot of other churches that if you went there and you went up on the stage in jeans, they would think, not cool. And, there, and you know, there's, there's, there's churches where you have to come in a suit, you have to go. And here at Crosses, we think we're pretty relaxed. But some other churches might think that's silly or wrong, right? But, but here, we don't really abide by those certain dress codes. But picture this for a second. What if somebody walked in our doors with a shirt that had, you know, pot leaves all over it? What if someone came in with a ton of face tattoos, a bunch of piercings, maybe they looked a little scary? What if somebody walked in our doors on Sunday morning drunk? 
what would, what would we do then? How would we react? So think about it for a second. Actually, close your eyes if you're at home uh, uh, watching online or if you're in person on campus sitting in a seat. Close your eyes for a second. Think about what does a Christian look like? What does a Christian look like? Is it, is it someone who doesn't swear? Is it a conservative? Is it a liberal? Is it how we dress? Is it having to do with our personality, the way we speak? Actually, stop and, and, and think for a second. What does a, a Christian look like. All right, you can open your eyes. Before we dive too deep in, if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, at the end of the service, uh, one of us will do a little 10-minute chat with Pastor Jordan. Uh, it'll be online. It'll also be on the screen behind us. Uh, so please feel free to stay and, and check it out. Um, if you have questions, we've got a number on the screen, or you can type it in the chat. And hopefully, uh, we can fit those in in the 10 minutes. Now, now that you've thought about what a Christian is, let's jump back 2,000 years ago to the early church. So in the early church, they would have considered a Christian somebody who was circumcised and somebody who upheld Jewish law. Those were the two kind of physical markers of a Christian you know, in the early church. And our stomping ground for the next few weeks is going to be the book of Galatians. And in this book, Paul is addressing this issue of, of the relationship between Gentile converts, you know, non-Jewish Christians, and the law. Should they uphold it? Should they be circumcised? What does that look like? How do we go forward from there? So that's going to be, going to be our stomping ground. So Paul is writing this, this book to the church in Galatia. And in a specific uh, story in chapter 2 that we're going to kind of focus on today, you know, we see Paul and Peter kind of interacting in the same environment. At this time, these were the two major apostles in this area. Paul's, you know, been charged with preaching to the Gentiles. He's, he he didn't live with Jesus. He's a, a Jewish convert who converted after Jesus and here he is preaching to the Gentile converts. And then we have Peter on the other side. This guy was an apostle of Christ. You know, he knew Christ, and now he's been charged to preach to the Jewish people. So we have this story in Galatians 2 where, you know, Paul and Peter are together and they're eating with Gentile converts, you know, who some Jewish people would have considered unclean. You know, it starts in verse 11, Galatians 2 verse 11. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised. So Paul's starting off with presenting a problem. He's saying, Peter was eating with these Gentile converts, and then I showed up, and, and I, you know, I noticed that there was a problem. And he continues on. Exactly. You know, Peter, Peter and Paul were eating with these Gentiles, treating them like brothers, and then all of a sudden... These, these intruders show up and, and things change. It continues on. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, think about for a second, go back to high school. If you're still in high school, think about this. Does anybody have that friend or had that friend who was a really cool guy when you guys were alone, you know, when you were hanging out, they were a really cool guy, but then as soon as the popular kids showed up or another group showed up, they changed. They, they suddenly changed their behavior because they, you know, they wanted to impress these popular kids. Maybe it happens to do at work. Maybe you have someone at work who is a totally cool guy when you're alone, but then the boss shows up and suddenly they're kind of weird, you know, because they want to impress the boss. Peter is this guy. Peter's eating with the Gentiles, you know, who some ultra-conservative Jewish lawkeepers would consider unclean. And then suddenly these intruders, these legalizers show up and, Paul, and Peter's like, whoa, I'm not eating with them. They're unclean. 
I was just eating with them and now, no, 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 I don't want to be seen by these guys. So for Peter, the fear of being caught by these Jewish people eating with these unclean Gentile converts is actually worth sacrificing the relationship with the Gentile converts. It's worth pushing them from Jesus because he doesn't want to be seen by these people eating with them. And this is the same Peter who opposed Jesus three times. And now he's opposing these Gentile believers. Why? Because they don't look the part? Because he doesn't want to be seen by these, these conservative leaders of the time? He doesn't want to be seen as unclean? And as you can imagine, Paul in Galatians kind of goes nuts over this. You know, in verse 14, he continues. He says, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? So this debate, this debate on, on Jewish law, uh, circumcision, these, these markers of your faith, uh, was enough to cause Peter to turn his face away from these, these fellow believers. And just to expand on this idea, you know, today in, in 21st century uh, Canada, you know, circumcision is more, uh, for most people, a medical procedure. It's, it doesn't have the weight that it did back then. Back then, it was a, a key identity marker for who you were as a, as a Jewish believer. So, you know, back then, they have this marker that says, I'm in. I'm in, I'm a Jewish person. But at the same time, they also have this almost political tension, this, this cultural tension, because at the time, Rome was in charge, and Rome had a, a law, basically, that says anyone has to perform this pagan ritual, this, this pagan worship, to worship Caesar. You have to do it if you're part of the Roman Empire. And the Jewish people kind of had like a get out of jail free card. They, they didn't have to do that. Uh, they could get away with not participating in these pagan rituals uh, as long as they prayed to their God on behalf of Caesar. So they kind of get their out. They don't have to, to do that. And so now you have these three groups of people. You have the, the Roman Gentiles who are participating in, in the pagan rituals. You have uh, Jewish people who do not have to participate. They're praying on behalf of Caesar. But now you have this new group, this new group of people, these Gentile Christians, these early church Christians who don't really fit into either because they don't want to participate in the pagan rituals. They don't want to worship Caesar, but they're not circumcised. So now there's this tension there. You have these, these Romans saying, well, you have to, to do it. And they go, no, we believe in, in this God. And then you have the Jewish people going, well, hold up. You're not with us because you you're not circumcised. You don't have that marker. You don't, you don't fit the right look. You don't have the right identity markers. You're not true believers. And basically what Paul is saying in Galatians is he's opposing this. He's saying it's not about these identity markers. It's not about you know, these past things that are now gone. It's not about doing the right things. It's about the grace of Jesus who died for our sins. That's what he's saying. He's saying you're focusing on the wrong things. You're kicking these Gentile believers out of the church because they don't match what you consider a Christian. And, and he puts it so perfectly in Galatians 2.21 when he kind of hits them with this big thing. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. And we're going to say that again. Because that's a heavy verse. There's a lot there. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law, following these traditions, could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. When we follow our cultural identity, when we focus too much on these cultural identities, we lose sight of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. 
And what, what is, so what is our modern day circumcision? Moving on from Galatians. If Paul was writing a letter to us, to the church right now, what would he be saying? What would he be identifying as our circumcision? Things that we're upholding, that aren't biblical, that aren't part of the gospel. Things that we consider physical markers and identity markers for Christians that don't have anything to do with the gospel. Is it how we dress? Is it who we vote for? You know, is it how we speak? You know, whether we swear or how we pray or if we don't use Christianese language? Is it our outward appearance, what we look like, whether we have a lot of tattoos or no tattoos at all, not allowed, or face piercings, any piercings, or no piercings at all? Is it our habits, you know, whether we smoke or drink alcohol or have sex? Is it our sexual identity or, or our identity itself? Is that what defines us? And if you spend any time in the church, these sound like things that we should be caring about. These sound like things that, that should be markers. But why is that? I think for too long, Western churches and churches in North America have, have focused in on these standards and, and held these standards over other people that I think in a lot of ways aren't attainable, but they're also not even biblical. Now picture this for a second. Close your eyes once again. All right, you're a youth pastor, okay? And, and you're running a youth ministry. It's Friday night. All your youth are, are, are here. Everybody's running around. You're talking to some youth. And suddenly in the, in the corner of your eye, you see a youth walk in. And you look over, and first thing you notice, you've never seen this youth before. It's their first time. All right? They just walked in. Second thing you notice, they're wearing a shirt with weed leaves all over it. What's your first reaction? What do you do in your mind? And now... I have a prophet at my, at my school who used to be a youth pastor, and he had an exact thing happen to him like this. He was, he was at his youth group, and suddenly this kid walks in, you know, never having been there before, his first time in a church, and he's wearing this, this shirt with a bunch of weed leaves all over it and drug paraphernalia. And, and his first instinct is, is to walk up to him and welcome him into the church. He says, hey, welcome. Welcome to youth. You know, tell me a bit about yourself. The kid says, this is my first time in church. You know, I just wanted to come here and, and, and see what it's all about. So he says, welcome. Come on in. He introduces everybody. This kid has a great time. You know, at the end of the night, he's walking away. He says, you know, I'm going to come back next week. You guys just introduced me to this group. Through. This is his first time being introduced to Jesus. So this youth group, this youth pastor walks away thinking, wow, I just brought this kid in, into my youth group. I just brought this kid to Christ. And that's amazing. You have a new youth showing up. You know, he's feeling great. The youth pastor's feeling great. He's thinking, I'm on cloud nine. We have a new youth coming in. As, as youth pastors ourselves, that's, that's like the goal. When we get a new face and then when they leave and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to come back next week. We're like, heck yeah, that's the best. And so, you know, the youth pastor, he's, he's feeling great. And then he starts getting some emails because... You see, what happened is, you know, youth's over, new kid, he's left, the other youth leave, youth go home, and, you know, mom and dad are like, so, honey, how was youth? And they're like, well, you know, this, this, and this, we played this game, new kid showed up, you know, he's wearing a funny t-shirt, and then parents were upset. They start emailing the youth pastor. They're saying things like, how dare you let that youth in? This is a Christian youth group. You should have asked him to change. You should have asked him to go home. You should have asked him to come back another week. Because they don't care about the fact that this youth had never experienced Jesus, had never experienced church. What they cared about was he had a shirt with drugs on it. And how dare he come in? That's what they care about. You know, and for these parents, the same way with Peter, this marker, this, the idea of this youth coming in wearing this shirt was enough for them to sacrifice his, the relationship with him. They, they were willing to send him home to change the shirt 
instead of bringing him in and introducing him to Jesus for the first time. That's, that's what they cared about. And that's precisely what Paul was talking about in Galatians. He said, you can't be focusing on these things when we're talking about the grace of Jesus. And, you know, are all of these things just North American standards that we've built up culturally that you have to dress a certain way and look the part before you're allowed to be in our churches? Have we really muddied the gospel with this stuff that we've considered, you know, greater issues? Think about really that lesson? for a second. Think about the idea of what it means to have muddied the gospel or grouped in these other things, these other standards with the gospel news of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Paul actually talks about that in, in chapter one where he says, and it's, it's pretty heavy, he goes, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, he repeats himself, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. And we'll, we'll repeat again. If there's one thing that you can take away from today, you know, the main point is when we focus on our cultural identity too much, we lose sight of Jesus. And ask ourselves, like the early church, are we too focused on cultural identity markers? things that we've built up in North America, things that we think make us Christians or make us who we are, what, what makes us who we are? Is it the identity markers or is it Jesus? Because the correct answer is Jesus. You know, the fact that Jesus' death and resurrection has saved us, that's what makes us Christians, not what we wear. Why are we spending so much effort as a church caring about these things and, and, and demanding that people uphold them in order to be saved? Why are we pretending like these are necessary for salvation when they really aren't. We should be celebrating when someone walks in those doors for the first time. And I know this is an issue, this judgment, this idea of a standard isn't just a, an other people thing. This is a thing that I've struggled with as well. I remember a couple years ago, uh, the rapper Kanye West, it made the news, Kanye West is a Christian. Kanye West is following God. Kanye West is gonna release a gospel album. He's, gonna, he's not going to swear anymore, all this stuff. Kanye West is a Christian, and he was running all these, these Sunday services. He was you know, trying to, to preach about Jesus. And I remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, okay, we'll see. We'll see. As if I have the standard of what it means to be a Christian. One of the largest names, one of the largest artists in, in, in music today is preaching about God, saying he's a Christian. And my response is, eh, we'll see. We'll see if he doesn't swear on the next album. We'll see if he changes the way he dresses or the way he, he talks, as if that's what matters. And so I had to check myself on that and, and check myself on what is it that matters? What is it that, that actually defines us? Because I think it's easy to think that our idea of Christianity, this North American Canadian version of Christianity, is the peak of Christianity. And it's not. 2,000 years ago, Christianity back then looked a lot different than it does today. But for some reason, we have this inherent thing in us that says, we have it right. And everyone else should do it like we do. And that's not necessarily the case. And that's a dangerous way to think about things. And this can't be the message that we send to the world. This can't be the Jesus that we depict. Because there's people who are walking into the church and this is the first and only depiction of Jesus they're getting and then they're walking away thinking that Jesus is just this guy who sits on a judgment seat. That's it, right? There's people, there's, there's people walking around with that idea of Jesus, 
right? We can't pretend and, and decide that these things, these cultural identity markers in North America that we've decided are necessary or mandatory for salvation. We can't do that. Picture walking out on the street, asking a stranger that you don't know, downtown Toronto. What do you think about church? What do you think about Jesus? I think pretty often, especially in Canada, you're going to get a negative response. You're going to get a negative response on, on people's perception of the church and a negative response on people's perception of Jesus. And who's to blame for that? We are. Absolutely we are. Because we are the church. We're the ones who set those standards. We're the ones who persecuted people. We're the ones who oppressed people. And so if anyone has a bad view of Jesus, that's not Jesus' fault. It's on us as believers, as Christians. Think about the gospel. We've grouped all these things into what's quote-unquote good news. Think about how much different the world would be if it actually was good news. And I'll say it again. We cannot depict that Jesus to the world. All right? A Jesus who cares that, or who says that you have to dress properly before you can come into his church because that Jesus isn't Jesus. That Jesus doesn't say, that's not the Jesus I know. I'm not sure that's not the Jesus that everyone else knows. He doesn't say, get your stuff together and then come to me. That's not what he says. You know, in, in you know, uh, Isaiah 55, 1, the Bible says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says expressly, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Luke five thirty two, he says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. That's, Jesus isn't saying figure out your stuff and come to me. He's saying, come all who are weary and I will give you rest. That's what he's saying. Now, you know, uh, I, I heard another story from a prof at my school. Um, he, you know, he told a story of one time when he was, he was on vacation. Now, this guy's a pastor. You know, he's a credentialed pastor in the POSC. And, and he told me a story of when he, you know, he went away for one weekend with his family a couple hours north to a cottage. And it was Saturday, and he was sitting, and he was going, you know what, I kind of want to go to church tomorrow. You know, not as the preacher. I just want to go to church and, and enjoy it. So he gets his family all together, and he says, hey, guys, you guys want to go to church tomorrow? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not feeling it. So, so he goes, all right, fine, I'll go by myself. But this guy is in vacation mode, right? So the clothes that he's packed are, you know, not formal. He's got, you know, average footwear, some board shorts, maybe a, a button-up with a funny little uh, detail on it, right? This is what he's got going. So he puts it on Sunday morning. He goes to the church. He's never been to this church before, right, by his cottage. He walks in. First thing he notices when he walks in, everyone has suits on. So suddenly he looks like this kind of crazy guy right? Everyone's got him on, but he goes, you know what, whatever. I love church. I love people. So he walks around, he starts talking to people, fellowshipping. He has a great time, meets a bunch of cool families, and then sits down. Sermon is great. Whole service is great. He loves it. After a while, after that, he's sitting, he's talking to more families, you know, having a great time. And then suddenly he tells a story of, of he could see somebody in his peripheral vision walking toward him. And you know, you know, when somebody, you know, when someone's walking your peripheral vision and you kind of just know they're walking up to you, you know, like you don't really have to look at them. You can see them, right? He sees that, and he sees this pastor coming over to him, and suddenly this pastor throws his arm around him and says, hey, I'm really glad you're here today. And at first thought, you're like, wow, that sounds great. What a, like, what a great pastor. He's coming up to this new guy. He's saying, thanks for coming there. But then the story keeps going, and he starts to turn him away from the family toward the doorway, and he's walking away the whole time. He's saying, hey, thanks for coming. I hope, I hope you enjoy your vacation, and you know, thanks for being here. And he walks them all the way to the exit. And then he 
puts him out the exit, and he says, thanks for coming, and he walks away. And this pastor is sitting here, a pastor, going, I just got escorted out of a church because I wasn't dressed properly. That's it. Can you imagine if this were not a pastor, but a first-time churchgoer? If he had walked in for the first time off that street, he didn't know what to wear. He just walked into the church, and this is what he gets? He gets, he gets escorted out? He gets embarrassed? He gets demeaned? I can tell you if that happened to me the first time I went to church, I would never step foot in a church again, ever. That would be the Jesus that I know that I understand for the rest of my life. Every time somebody brought up church and Jesus, all I would think about was that time that in front of an entire congregation of people, a pastor walked me out under this fake guise of kindness and said, thanks for coming and walked me out the door. And, and if, that, if, if I walk away with that depiction, whose fault is that? It's not Jesus. It's that pastor's fault. You, we have people walking around with that depiction of Jesus in their mind. Think about who you know Jesus as, of love and kindness. And we have people walking around on streets and that's their depiction of Jesus. It breaks my heart. Because I know Jesus as a Jesus of love, a Jesus who loves me for who I am. And we have people walking around because they've had church experience like this with trauma. And it's not okay. It's not okay. That person that... that girl I was tattooing earlier, similar story. We, you know, we, we were nearing the end of the tattoo and I, and I asked her, I'm like, so, you know, do you still go to that church? And, and she said, no, I don't go to church. And she starts telling me that she didn't feel loved. She doesn't know how God can love her if this is how people treat her who believe in God. For what? Neon hair? Tattoos? a little bit of a cool punk aesthetic. And now this 19-year-old girl doesn't believe that Jesus loves her. She doesn't know that she is loved. It's like Ashley said earlier so perfectly. We need to know who we are and whose we are. But that doesn't stop with us. That's everybody you see out on the streets. Everybody is God's children. Think about how different Things could be if that wasn't the case. If, if when she shows up to church with her neon hair and her tattoos and her piercings, people are just like, oh, good to see you. Come on in and show her that love. Think about doing that to the people in our lives. The younger generations have been pushed out of churches and churches because they don't fit the mark. And that's not what's important. It's not about those markers, those identity markers of you need to dress this way, vote this way, all this stuff. It's about Jesus. And once again, I'll say it. Jesus doesn't say, figure your stuff out and then come to my church. He doesn't say, you know, dress properly, get your life together, stop smoking, and then come to my church. No, he says, come as you are. Come all who are weary and I will give you rest. That's what we should be focused on today, not telling people to come and dress a certain way. We should be saying, as Jesus says, come all you who are weary, come as you are, and I'll give you rest. Jesus doesn't say, stop smoking. Jesus doesn't say, stop dr drinking, swearing, having sex before coming to me. He doesn't expect you to change before sitting down in these seats. He goes, just come. Let me love you. Let me love you. He wants to give you rest. He wants us to come as we are. 
Because it's, it's, like I said, we've said it a thousand times and we'll say it a thousand times more. When we focus on these cultural identities, we lose sight of Jesus. Now let's ask ourselves again, can we sit in these seats and uphold these things? Can we sit behind these walls and pretend that just because we're here in these seats this morning, just because we're here in this church, that we're somehow better? That we're less sinners than the person who walks in off the street with a weed shirt on? That we have more right to be here in these seats than they do? Because that's not the Jesus that I know. That's not the Jesus who went up to a cross and died, who rose from the dead three days later. That Jesus didn't do that for just us. He did it for everybody out there on those streets. And it's time for the church to start remembering that and going out there and doing that. And next week, you know, we're going to continue. We're going to be back here and we're going to be talking about instead of the wrong things to do, we're going to talk about the right things to do, how we, how we operate as a church in that way and, and what it actually means to be a Christ follower. But let's ask ourselves this question. Are we going to be the Peter in this story? Are we going to sacrifice relationships, people knowing Jesus, so that, you know, we can appear clean in front of our friends? Are we going to sacrifice relationships because they don't meet the standard that we've set? Or are we going to be Paul, loving people with the love of God? That's our role. The love of Jesus is what defines us as Christians. That's what it's all about. And maybe, maybe you're watching at home, maybe you tuned into a, a random YouTube stream for the first time, or maybe you came in for the first time, and you're thinking, yeah, that is kind of the Jesus I know, this mean, judging person. I wanna tell you that's not the case. Jesus loves you. And if you want to experience that love, that rest, we have a saying here at Crosslands Church. We say it's as simple as ABC to follow Jesus. not easy, but it's three simple steps. A is admit. Admit that, yeah, I need help. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. But admit that I need help. I want that rest. I need rest. I think so much of our culture needs rest just from all the chaos that's going on. So A is admit. B is believe. You know, believe that the church that we've seen it is not necessarily what the church is. You know, believe that, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins to make me clean. Believe that Jesus wants me to come who, as who I am. Believe that Jesus says that I am who he says I am, not who other people say I am or who I say I am. B is believe. And then finally, C is commit. If you've, if you've admitted, you believed, C is, is commit. Commit your life to Jesus. Say, I want to go all in with you, Jesus. And if this is something you want to do for the first time, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray. Dear Jesus, I want that rest. I want that love that you want to give me, God. I know that I'm not perfect, but you sent your son to die for me, God, and I am so thankful for that, and I want to commit my life to you, Jesus. I want to follow you with everything I have. In your name I pray, amen. It's an easy prayer. And if it's something you've done for the first time, if you go on to crosslands.live, there's a little follow Jesus button. You can click that. It'll give you some next steps. We want to connect with you as a church and give you some guiding next steps on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, our entire being, everything that we are, is framed around the death and life of Jesus Christ, who died to set us free. Paul talks about it. We talked about it earlier in Galatians. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. 
For if keeping the law could make us right with God, there was no need for Christ to die. But Christ did die, and he will set us free. He has set us free. Jesus loves us. He loves everyone out on the streets. So we can be free. And anything other than that, focusing on anything other than that is missing the point. You know, focusing on what people wear when they come in here and making sure that their act is cleaned up before they're allowed to sit in these seats, it's missing the point. It's not why Jesus died. He puts it in Galatians 2.21 perfectly. If, if the law could make us right with God, then Jesus didn't have to die. But he died so that his grace could wash us clean. And it's not up to us as Christians nowadays to decide who can and can't enter our churches, who can and can't be saved by Christ. When we focus on cultural identity, we lose sight of Jesus. If we uphold these things too much, if we focus on them too much, we lose sight of Jesus and what he did. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be up here today, God. And, and uh, you know, I just pray for all those out there. You know, whether they be watching this stream or sitting in these chairs or out on the street right now, you know, who've had just a slandered view of your church, God. You know, they see you as, as judging and, and condemning rather than loving and kind. You know, I pray for all those people who don't see you the same way that we see you, that I see you. I pray that, that you know, the church as a whole, God, could you know, leave these cultural identity markers behind and, and go out and be your church, that we wouldn't decide who can and can't be in this church, who can and can't be saved by you. We, we wouldn't be deciding when they can come in here. We wouldn't be deciding when at some point their act is cleaned up enough or that they fit this standard for churchgoers, God. I pray that that, that wouldn't be our marker, but that we would welcome people, that we would celebrate when people walk in our doors no matter what they look like or what they have going on in their life. Because that's what you do for us. That's what you do for me. I've messed up plenty of times in my life. Never once have you said, go clean it up and then come back and I'll see if I want you. Now you say, come as you are. Come if you're weary, I'll give you rest. Repent. You know, this is why you came to earth. This is why you died for people like that for all of us. We pray this, that as we go out, you know, we would have a new look on, on other people. We wouldn't look at them as broken or as unclean, but that we would look at them as your children, God. We thank you so much for today. We pray this all in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.